Hello and welcome to Turbo Tabletop number four. This time we are talking about Teams Tournament. I am joined once again by Isaac, Ollie and Steve. Hello. Hi. Um, Steve, you're going to have to explain things because we don't know. What is a Teams Tournament in Warhammer 40,000? What is a team, Steve? What is a team? Well... We can't decide what <laughs> no. team name we're going on. There's, so. there's no iron team. So in in this team tournament that we're playing, you've got five uh, people on each team. Um, so there's four of us here today. Everyone picks a faction. You can't duplicate factions, so you can't have two lots of space marines, for example. And there is a very complicated pairings process to get the, the five on five kind of organised for who's fighting who. Um, there is some strategy to it, so you try and what's described as win the, the pairing process to get favourable matchups, and it's all with a view to scoring in a slightly different way in in Warhammer compared to normal. So normally you do like a zero to one hundred thing to to win your match in singles, um, but in teams you do um, a points differential. So for every five points you win by, you get a point. Um, or score. Anyway, the scores range from this very the, the scores range from um, twenty zero. So if I win by fifty points, I'm going to score a twenty, and my opponent's going to score a zero. If we have a very close game and say at fifty one forty nine, there's only a two point differential, less than five points. So that's going to be scored a ten ten. Um, and it makes for some very interesting results, and it makes for every single point you score, even if you're losing, matters massively for the team. Um, it, and it's just a fun team kind of concept for, for Warhammer. How often are teams run? Like, I don't feel like I really saw the, the team stuff during ninth. Obviously, there was the, the WTC... Yeah, World which is Team a, Championships. Yeah. Which is like Team UK and everything. But, yeah. but like, apart from that, did did this place in Dicot do them in... This is their first Teamish tournament. Oh, it is. Um, I've kept an eye out, because Steve and I, we talked about doing one mm. um, months and months before this one happened, um, before we, we signed up for this one. They are a lot rarer mm. um, than singles tournaments and even doubles tournaments, but they do crop up. Um, I would say they've become more popular. I think the last couple of years, um, especially the World Team Championships last year, got quite a lot of attention in Warhammer media, for whatever that's worth. And you've got a lot more people going... So, background, I suppose. I think there's a lot more people playing Warhammer 40k. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more singles... competitive. Yeah, there's a lot more singles tournaments. Um so you've got generally a kind of a foundation of a lot of players. And with the team tournament being you know, fundamentally fun, so you're going as a team, you're going with your mates, you know, there's a bit of prep you can do, you know, piss-taking about who's going to score the most of these points and all this sort of stuff. We already know. Yeah. Then you... Um... I think it's mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think this year, I feel like the last six months, I've seen a lot of coverage of teams' tournaments, more so than the previous six months. So I'm not surprised to see 
us going to one, it feels like a natural evolution of us all playing. How many teams are there in Ticot? Do we know? I think five. I think there are five teams. Oh, so they'd need an, work? They'd need an even number. It might be six then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's probably, yeah, you, if it's five on the list, plus us. Yeah, the the, uh, the app went down before we could get our sign-up on, so it's uh, still figuring itself out, but I think it might be five and us. Cool. Five and us, oh, okay, cool. That would be six, for those of you that can <laughs> do, do basic maths on like myself. <laughs> so 30... Have I got that right? Five tables. Five ta- uh, yeah, so 30 tables. No, 15 tables. 15 tables. 15 tables. <laughs> yeah, so that's these two, two beers you fed me on an empty stomach, John. <laughs> well, so you were offered a banana. Room, yeah, okay. So there are six teams, <laughs> not including us. So it might be eight teams. Okay. Holy shit. So, 20 tables. That's pretty big. That's huge. Yeah. Nice. <gasps> so there's a lot, <laughs> lot of people there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the panic sets in. That's and uh, you, you uh, like a singles tournament. There'll be a range of players. So I think there'll be some people there who just want a laugh, and they've just come along with a random collection of people. They'll, I would put us in a bit of a middle bracket. We we like to pretend we're interested and good at the meta, but we're probably in the middle. With the plucky chances, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Rocky Balboas, if you will, enthusiastic amateurs. Uh, and then you'll probably get a couple of sweaty teams who are, yeah, that sounds negative, a couple of teams full of people who are very experienced with tournaments. And the Didcot one, I think, historically has often been used by some reasonably big names for practice, like a couple of the guys we've played at the Didcot, which yeah. is a really, really good tournament, um, really good TO there. Yeah, Mike but, was very good, yeah. Yeah. Um, We've you know we've played people that are practicing for the, I think the first one we went <laughs> to collectively it's like six seven people practicing for London GT and it was there's some big names yeah. as we found out afterwards yeah, yeah then they went like a couple of them were like top there was top six or something Clem- I can't it's Clem- a French chap Clement Tornard I think he was Space Wolves at that tournament and he's gone on to be he one won. of the best Eldar players in the world he won the commentary GT just before we played him I yeah. think. Or in the same tournament, same thing. He, he might have him. come sixth, and I might have come fifth in that tournament. But I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's not get hung up on f- you know, numbers. <laughs> he was playing a week after. Clement certainly isn't hung up on that number. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's going to be a lot of tables, uh, f- just from a tournament organizer. Yeah, they've moved to a bigger venue. So it used to be in uh, the town hall they host their local games night in. Yeah. But the, the last one I went to was in a much, much bigger venue. Um, it was really cool. What was nice is kind of seeing regular... I've looked at the list and there's a couple of names we recognise, but yeah. there's usually quite a few regulars at the Didcot one. Um, and a few of the guys are part of um, UKTC teams that kind of train together for big events. So there are, there are usually... I mean, Sid, Sid Sadao, um, yeah, he's yeah. one of the big players. He's done yeah. historically quite well at like London GT and things, I think. Yeah. Um, and his son, whose name escapes me... Byron. Byron, um, who I've played before, really good. So there are some quite big, big names that pop up, um, and it's good. It's nice at those sort of small tournaments that they're not overran with really experienced, brilliant players that you just have a really kind of unfun time playing because it, you, you know you're playing checkers and they're playing chess. But it's nice that there are a couple of people there that you walk away from a game thinking I've learned a lot from this experience, even yeah. if it's taking me the drive home and you know six paracetamol um, <laughs> to get down from the migraine to, to recover and reflect so how many games do we have that day three oh, okay cool oh so it's only three rounds three rounds yeah it's uh one day is three rounds two days tends to be five rounds yeah um 
I've been to one two day and it was in it was intense. Um, I was quite I think I I won my first three, so I was quite happy showing up on the second day. <laughs> but I there were some guys that lost the first three and just dropped for the second day. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, yeah, I, you know, that's standard. Especially if you if you're traveling, I can understand. I don't yeah. think it's necessarily in the spirit of it because then you end up with clunky buy rounds. We were quite fortunate, I think, that enough people dropped. Oh, Michael ended up. I think Michael ended up playing. He stepped in. Yeah, yeah and you know. Again, really good TO that um, has always meant that it's been a fun experience at Didcot. Just gonna have a banana. <laughs> Those potassium levels are important. <laughs> so um, now that you're about to eat the banana, do you want to <laughs> tell us how the uh, pairing system worked? Did... <laughs> so we, we've just just before we started to record this, uh, we had a little practice pairings round. So personally, I've um, watched a few pairings, like at the WTC when it's been streamed online. I've never done it. And it's quite a complicated thing, but... As we've discovered. As we've discovered, because <laughs> I got it wrong the first time. But effectively, <laughs> if you sit there with a menu of five factions, say five teammates, you secretly put one up for defender first. So I might put my defender list up secretly to Wally. He's my, he's my opponent. And then he puts two teams off his list forward as attackers. And then I get to pick which attacker hits my defender. But yeah, the the attacker doesn't know what they're going up against. Yeah, that's the one submitting two armies doesn't know what the one is. Yeah, good good clarification. And then so that's decided a pair, and then you flip it round. So Ollie will put forward a, a secret defender. Now I I've got two attackers to put up against him at this point, and I know he's put forward you know one of his four remaining. So I'm trying to work out how. What's the strategy has he got here? Is he just YOLOing it and throwing anyone in? Has he got some lists that are, you know, <laughs> good? I just sound like <laughs> has he got some lists in his team that are just really kind of mid strong score against everything? You know, there, there is some subtlety and strategy to it. And, you know, so I reciprocate. I'll put my two attacks up, he picks one, and we continue until all five in each team are paired up. And theoretically, if you you should end up with three good matchups, a mid-range matchup and a bad one, just because of the way that yeah. the order works when you put things out. And it also it affects your list building slightly, because we it's open lists, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll be able to see the list before we play. Mm. <clears throat> so we'll know if somebody's... Say with Tau, if they're bringing hammerheads, we know we're not going to put the knights up against them. Um, but if they're heavy into the crisis suits and the ghost keels, which they probably will be, then knights is maybe a, a better shout against them. So you can you can work it that way a little bit. And at the the kind of top levels of this, so I've seen um, podcast debriefs of the World Team Championships where they've specifically talked about the pairings process. And in the the recent WTC, you had basically the two best kind of teams, Poland and the States, up against each other. Um, player skill across the two teams, identical pretty much. But Poland absolutely pasted the States on the pairings through whatever strategy they had. And they won the final of WTC convincingly, almost entirely down to the pairings process. So they were able to manoeuvre list selection, faction selection, to get good matchups and one convincing there. And then, yeah, so it, it, that then play, feeds into how you play that game. Yeah. Because if you know if you're in a tough matchup, you're going to play a more reserved game yeah. and make your opponent work for the high score. 
yeah. rather than trying to outscore them. Yeah. I think there's that really one of the, my favorite things when there's a teams event when you get all those the lists that come out because at the real top level people are writing lists for far more specific reasons than you know links to what you've just outlined that, than we are. Um, and you look at some of the mad lists that people put together and you think you wouldn't take that to a singles tournament in a month of Sundays because it is so finely geared towards I will kill every infantry model on the board or I will put down every tank you know unit on the board yeah and it's just it's a really great thing to look at how people have really geared a whole list around a function within a team that makes that pairings process um, a lot more complicated uh, there's real I, layers of nuance to it and, and frankly it's going to go way over our head at our tournament <laughs> and we're not going to pay a huge amount of attention to it we're just going to try and you know pick you know, good things we're just going for balanced lists right yeah. yeah well I've been testing the orcs a little bit and I have found they actually have not secretly because they've always been like a fairly tough army but they have a lot of extra toughness so everyone knows Squidcock boys T7 three wounds for five up in vuln five up feel no pain they're a hard unit to shift mm-hmm. you've got a stratagem for minus one to wound but then you've also got your regular knobs put a war boss in them they're minus one to wound T5 two wounds then you put them in a truck protect them from shooting for a turn you've got mega knobs that are T6 three wounds two up put a custom force field in there you can resurrect one you've suddenly got like a whole bunch of anvil units that you can manoeuvre the rest of the army around. And I think that's probably where my list building's going to focus, is having these, rather than having you know six units of boys in six trucks that are just going to flood the board, we're still going to have some of that. Yeah. But we're going to have these units that can sit in the mid against pretty much anything and take a whole load of punishment and still hit back mm. for... When they have to come up and dig me out, we're going to have that water turn of charging in with the eight knobs that are left with, what is it, would it be on eight, uh, 36 power core attacks? Yeah, like, we're, we're going to dent something. Yeah. So in that, like, in that metric, that's how it changes the list building, because I probably wouldn't take all the high value units into a singles tournament, I'm just going to have a hundred boys and... Can you kill me by turn five? Probably not. And and Jono, your your question about balance list got me thinking. So we were chatting about this on WhatsApp this week, or Isaac, you asked it, and then we all completely ignored you for and a then couple, you replied couple of days. And then I, I remembered that there's a message to reply to. <laughs> you didn't need to add the context of me being ignored, but um <laughs> But it was good for copy no, value. Yeah. But the what I was gonna say is as a bunch of guys going to their first tournament, we are gonna aim at stuff that's achievable i.e we're not going to aim for a super you know refined pairings process and like do what the polish did and create a list like a guard list that's a really great counter to one specific custodies list or something really nuanced it's too complicated and we won't it won't work so i i was saying to everyone this week i think we should focus on four things one familiarity with lists so don't pick something new and meta just because it's cool and hard because we won't be very good at it. Number two is just have a, a strong overall list that you're comfortable with. Number three was be familiar with the missions that they're going to set out in the tournament pack because there's like 10, 20 points on the board to win or lose if you are or not familiar. 
and then the fourth one is you know a plan of action into certain common lists so we know there's going to be Eldar we know there's going to be CSL we blah 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 you know we all need to have a, at least half an idea of if we're going to win into them this is how we're going to do it and if we're going to lose into them this is how we do it gracefully and score as many points as we can I think between us as well we've got enough we collect a fair few armies between us that we yeah. have a rough idea of kind of what a lot of stuff does Yeah, that there shouldn't be too many surprises which is nice it's not like we've all got one army and we just <laughs> I mean you know we're just kind of guessing so that should be quite nice for the kind of pairings process but uh, you know and like you said we're not we're not after kind of picking up new things for the meta. I don't think anyone is buying boxes and boxes of new things. I know I've just bought some new accursed cultists, but that was, you know, they, they're good. They are good. Um, <laughs> I've been buying a rhino, but yeah, <laughs> you need a rhino these days. So <laughs> we're not interested in going out and buying twenty boxes of nerglings to have those little yeah thirty-five point scorers. We're not looking at having the most geared and tweaked list ever. It's just from the stuff we have. What balanced good list can we play that we are not going to go and have a really bad time with? I think yeah. is that's the best. I think it was all we've ever really asked for many tournaments. We must have attended is yeah. Let's see what we, we can do with what we've got. Never gone in for the win. I don't think. Like, except that time I brought forty-five Deathwing to a tournament. I was plugging for that was a <laughs> <laughs> that was your sweat moment. That was my the, the sweatiest uh, list I've ever ran. Twenty Death Guard with uh, sorry Deathwing with um, Storm uh, Thunder Hems and Storm Shields was. The most uninteractive games. Oh, I didn't even need to play the game really. You just <laughs> moved, things, moved things forward and then just said four over and over again. Fours, fours. <laughs> What's that? I'm taking your armor save. It's four up invulnerable save. <laughs> so we're not going down that route. It's yeah, just have have fun. It does help that I think I've got, I've got seven and a half thousand points of chaos. You've got yeah, I've got something like six thousand points of orcs now. Yeah, same for me and Eldar. So we we do have a lot to draw on, but no one has got those weird spammy like. These are my thirty, you know, chosen that I've got my ten unit of ten, and you know, or ridiculous numbers of rubrics or whatever it is. I am spamming trucks. You yeah, but you're an orc player. That's, <laughs> I've got thousand trucks in your. Country. I've got my four trucks, and I've got a fifth one to be kit bashed on the way. You watch. There'll be some ultra sweat in one team we're playing that will have listened to this podcast, <laughs> and we've shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. So this needs to drop the, in the, the week after lists are submitted, Jono. <laughs> I don't have that sort of schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what from what you've learned from the singles tournaments that we've done in tenth? What knowledge are you transferring over for teams that does stay the same? We talked a little bit about like what the differences are. What is the um, familiarity with mission? Is a is it one that I don't think many people, most people, pay attention to? I have to pay zero attention. So there's this real points differential in any game based on the mission. So, for example, I played a mission the other day which was really bad for my Eldar because it meant I had to stand in the middle and get shot and all of my stuff is really fragile. So I've got to play that in a specific way. And if that comes up, um, we need to bear that in mind and work out how we can score points on it. So, so mission is. Do we is know the missions? I think Isaac's. I'm looking now to see if we do have them. So that's like another thing. In yeah, we do. If we know that's on that mission. We don't want to put you against the other shooty army. Yeah. Same with deployment. It's a factor, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We've got corner deployment. Your orcs are having a field day. Yes. Long board. There's a lot of room. So it's purge the foe. 
taking hold and priority targets. So purge the foe is a good example of something that is critical you understand what the, the mission's about because That's that a really is a weird one that one. hold one hold more kill kill more yeah and again like eldar fragile but with the purge the foe you score the killing on your first turn yes which is insane so don't die or plague burst crawlers though good for that yes focus fire and kill one unit you've got some points yeah. big, big like low model count Tough, durable units is perfect for that. So, for example, I'm playing Mozzie on Monday for that. And he's got a load of <laughs> T10, T12 knights with OC8 minimum. And I'm like, well, he's going he's gonna to win the whole more. And I'm Eldar, so as soon as he sees me, he's going to kill me. So it's going so to be a really hard mission for, for me to play. But I'm aware of that going in. I'm not just going to blindly stand on points and die. And that's important for when we pick which matchup we want you in as well, isn't it? We don't want you yeah. in something where you're going to just get shot off the board. Yeah. Um, and I think playing me, I mean, I played, um, oh God, what's the second one in the tournament for the singles tournament we're going to, Jono? Sites um, of Power. Yes. Yeah. Oh, with the characters. Yeah, yeah, I played that with, you know, running a list with um, my only characters from my dark communes and my big cursed cultist blobs. They're not actually pretty. They're not really good for getting, you know, getting on objectives quickly. There's a lot of models, and if you can't get on there, it's a bit tricky. So I've reflected and kind of gone, well, if I'm going to a tournament that has a mission that requires characters to stand on objectives, do I drop one unit, like two obliterates, and just bring two chaos lords for my chosen? So I've got four characters suddenly to play around with. So I'm scoring there because that that could have swung the game if I just had characters on objectives, and I think writing a list for missions is a big part of the game that I hadn't really... I was kind of aware it was a thing. Like, I listen to podcasts and they're like, oh, you've got to write your list around the the terrain pack the tournament has and the missions, and I'm thinking, bloody hell. Like, that's refined. Yeah. Like, I know that, you know, Deathwing were doing brilliant in ninth into player place terrain. Because you just put everything on one side of the table and then there's my big space where I can safely walk into and survive and anything that comes in there dies. Hmm. Um... But knowing that that mission requires characters, which I hadn't thought about when I wrote my list, I, sh- I should have more than two units that are a bit clunky to manoeuvre. And so playing, yeah, playing around that, I think that when we're writing those lists, thinking to have a think about that. What are the missions, and can we score them? What deployments are there, and is it going to be really good for you to war first turn um, or not? And I don't know, orcs just war first turn every game, or is no? It, on something like corner deployment, if I'm going. First, there's an argument for it, but it, if it happened at the um, 1K tournament, I was playing against Imperial Fists. They just deployed on the back half of their table. I've got twice as far to go, mm. even on the corner deployment, to get yeah. to them of getting shot. Um, so I think normally you, you're you're staging for a second turn war, so you KG KG deployment, KG first turn movement, and then. Punch in, fucking have it. Yeah, and commit as much violence as you can, um, so that they've got less to hit you back with after your wires run out. The uh, the other thing that I would transfer, apart from like generic stuff like familiarity with the army, is um, adapting to the meta. So, for example, as an Eldar player, I've got a really strong unit called the Avatar of Cain, right? Big monster, runs up, made of lava, punches <laughs> stuff in the face. He's well hard. But there's a number of things in the meta with devastating wounds which worry me, which probably mean I wouldn't take him because he would be a li- He's like a 350 point liability. Yeah. So um, the lion. 
So it, I think adapting your list to things that are probably going to be at the tournament and will probably be shooting you or punching you and, and you know, be a pain in the arse. I think you need to adapt to that a little bit. There, um, I just spotted this, and I think it is good to know for this building. They are playing ground floor closed. Oh, they are. Yeah, so like ground UKTC floor. Stuff, yeah, yeah, so and that's big because that means that with things like your cursed cultists and your chosen, you can be super aggressive as long as you're bouncing from ruin to ruin. And almost gives me, you know, I might think about now taking Abaddon because I can run him without terminators. I can loan for it, can't you? Yeah, I can loan up him for one CP essentially with Nurgle, and I can ping him around ruins, and that's that's big because he's. Massive force multiplier with that four up invuln and his reroll hits for forge fiends and things. And he's also still, even though he's not the ninth murder machine that I knew and loved, he's still an animal. Like he will still, you know, give characters like Mortarian a run for their money. Um, and that, you know, so that's that's big, I think, for thinking of actually, you might not have to stand in the open. You might have a, a cheeky ruin to hide in with your squishy T3 bodies. Yeah. And that'll depend on the terrain setup. Which They're doing UKTC. Oh yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. So some of the ruins oh, mixed. Yeah, some of the ruins will have room. will have objectives <laughs> we can sit in. Um, oh my good god! And there's WTC. I remember looking at you sent this before. Yeah. I remember this. We, so it could be any, literally any of the three most popular terrain formats. But knowing ground floor is closed gives your melee options are a little bit more durable now yeah. like your orcs can hide you don't just have to stand and get the shot yeah like I can get out of a truck into a ruin and then charge through it and yeah. against lists like town you can position yourself so you're in the ruin gives you an extra inch on that charge but if you fail the charge you're not just out in the open waiting to get picked up in their responding turn charging from ruins actually is, is that's yeah. pretty good yeah especially for overwatch yeah you can't be overwatched yeah yeah, I think that's one of the rules that tournament organisers are going to have to figure out themselves is, is we've got the changes to towering because, it, you know. Well, I had that debate going into the 1K one. Yeah. But then they changed the rule and I think playing at Windows Open was fine in the end. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just meant that you had to stand behind the ruin. Yeah. Rather than it was... Just a small adjustment. Conversations around footprint were really important there as well because with the, yes. those L shapes, if you play the full thing as a footprint, well, standing behind means you're like three or four inches further back. Yeah. But if you just play the lip mm. as the footprint, as they say in the you know the rules do say, talk about footprints. You yes. do that. It's important. You're actually sitting an inch away from the wall. You can still be charged because there's still room for thirty-two, you know, mill base yeah. or whatever, um, and you're still out of line of sight and I think that that's big when you've got those moments just to go what's the footprint here and being equitable because when you've got terrain and did got a very good for the terrain to be fair but you've got terrain that isn't quite even on both sides and you've got one ruin that's got a massive footprint and one that doesn't just saying well just play it's an inch or something like that and yeah. it's that playing with intent talking to your opponent and not getting shafted by some odd terrain wording or that one player yeah. that's got you know five laser pointers for every single gun line they can find or the um high-ranking ITC player, you play at your first tournament who moves a model that's meant to move 12, 14 and a half inches in his first interaction with you. Steve is not salty about that. He's <laughs> <laughs> not talking about it. He didn't mention it in the WhatsApp group or something right. he might discuss on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to like the slight refresh on the... St- like It's a little bit of spice in the yeah. the game that we've been playing for... Well, I don't know, 10th and 9th, but we've been playing for three years. 
two yeah. and a half years properly yeah probably easily two I think yeah. right um, I usually measure things by when did I live in a place so I lived in my flat I was playing Warhammer <laughs> so that was about three years so probably coming up to a third but I, I do remember distinctly um, all kicked off post-Covid <laughs> uh, well yeah but also like I think Rob suggested doing more competitive stuff. Yeah, Rob and, and I. We all we like. No, me and Rob went to one together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone like myself included said, "No, competitive isn't for." And we were really enjoying Crusade at that yeah. point. Yeah, but Rob and I went to that tournament, and it was good fun. It was it was good fun. It was a big learning experience. Um, and I did have to play Rob in the final game and then had to have the awkward car drive home after he paddled me harder than he ever had in any game we'd ever played. <laughs> um, it was like, yeah, going from losing by like 10 points to that really horrible dread list to losing by like 45 points because um, I just couldn't figure my secondaries out. And But yeah, and then... So 19 won in a team. Yeah, <laughs> big, big loss in teams. Yeah. And then we went to... I went to another one by myself, the first Didcot one I went to, and then it kind of... We we went to Didcot together, didn't we? Yeah, and then the shop tournaments. I've I've personally found going to tournaments really fun. Like, don't do too many because they are. It's like a from where it's a whole day, you know, family to like not ignore and all the rest of it. But I found competitive like stuff without going too too meta, too sweaty with it. It's just like a a really interesting thing that holds my attention quite quite well. I find like a lot of. And satisfaction in it it's a really good excuse just to get free games in like yeah, yeah. <laughs> easier to justify to the missus as well like <laughs> I'm spending a day indulging my hobby yeah. not like can I just go to Mystic Games and play three games on a Saturday yeah no but if it's a tournament yeah, yeah. Tournament, come on yeah. I could I could win money <laughs> this is an official event that's going I've on got to, the team need me really. yeah, yeah. But, no I don't know what I was going to say sorry um, yeah and it, it I, um, I've played com- other nerdy competitive games, and that the, going to a tournament with a group of people and going to a team tournament with a group of people it does amp up the the enjoyment of it because you mm. get to have a little debrief afterwards. So. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it works the same in. Um, maybe you can tell me. You can discuss with your team what your let's just say one game's finished. Mm. That you've got a player from each team that's sort of floating, they can then give a little bit of sideline coaching. You can, yeah. So you can, so again, comparing it to WTC, which is about a thousand levels above what we'll be doing, but they have um, nine hundred ninety nine <laughs> proper like coach um, going around between the tables of each team, saying score. I don't think they're allowed to talk tactics. Certainly not allowed to help the game, but they are allowed to talk about. Are you doing well? Are you doing badly? Are you about kind of middle of your expectation? That information gets kind of collated and passed around. So the example we were using a minute ago was if I'm getting an absolute pasting in a game um, and on the other side of the fence, Isaac has got a game that he needs to win. We might say, Isaac, you know you were going to win 15-5. You need to get fuck on with it and make it a 20-0 because Steve's had his arse handed to him. And that information can get passed. Steve's out. able to say that because he knows we will be texting him every game to go, Steve, it's not going as planned. Please. Push, push. <laughs> yeah, so you can you can sort of get everyone to 
be a little bit more aggressive because we, we yeah. need to make up the five points that Steve's yeah Steve was expecting not got yes so we all need to make another two yeah yeah uh, and pick up that slack rather than playing for that close loss now we have to play for like a, a pyrrhic victory and you you might select oh, one of phrase. yeah <laughs> that's where it came from yeah. <laughs> I knew one of the team might be in a better position to nudge on for those extra few points so you you know it's going to be hard in the middle of a game, but say I do text you and saying, lads, I'm getting a pace saying who can get another five points. Someone yeah. needs to put the hand up confidently and not not with too much overconfidence and say, I'm going to do it and then fail because that's no good to anyone, but I can do this so no one else needs to. It's also, it's, it, it comes down to managing risk yeah. because you're trying to not lose by too much so, but you get, you get. All right, lads, we need to find some extra points. You know, you've got to play a little bit more aggressively. You've got to. Yeah. You've maybe got to go for that ten-inch charge where normally you wouldn't. Exactly. You wouldn't risk it. Or even if you've, you know, you've drawn, bring it down. You're ahead comfortably. You're thinking, oh, I'm not going to bother plinking that last wound off because I've got something else to kill. And instead, you put everything into that one wound guy just to get those extra four points. Yeah. To, yeah. So it can be. I think it can be small decisions as well, not just those big yeah. like right. 10, 12-inch charges. Let's see what happens. Um, well, luckily, we've got that, the local singles tournament, what, two weeks before? Two weeks before, yeah. Two weeks before. To, so if we don't place well. <laughs> yeah. So if we don't top five, <laughs> the the singles. Yeah, it's going to be the trial by five. For the cut the lowest yeah. player out and just like, oh, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> John has the store reigning champion as well. Trump? So he's got... Um, He's got a title to defend. Yeah. But I suspect if he loses, he'll say I'm a 1K fighter. I'm not a... <laughs> yeah, I'm a skewed fighter. I think I'm, I'm still to to prove myself in tournament placings, aren't I? I think my highest finish was 7th. I'd say you've been underachieving for your ability, Oliver. That's what I would uh, say. Bad I, matchups. I, I, no, I think the last 2K tournament, I think it, it came down to pairings. Because I, I was in the second... The fight for second place... Uh, yeah, yeah. Against the chap with the great demon demons list. dude, yeah, and, and he beat me by a single point. Yeah, that was a good result. And that, yeah. then I, I ended up coming seventh because of where points totals ended up. Yeah, and I think that that's really frustrating. One of the difficult ones I went to, I was fighting for third, and I dropped down to sixth. Um, and it, it does feel it, it, it's just the way that it goes. Yeah, and it can feel deflating, I think, as well, because your 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 skill level isn't necessarily sixth. It's yeah, you're capable of coming third. You've just lost a game by ten points, or in some cases, I think really frustratingly, like it's happened to perhaps all of you. Time out. Like your opponent plays slow, um, or the game is just slower for whatever reason, and you you do you time out, and you sat there, and you know Didcot were really strict. I think quite rightly in some ways of saying you don't talk it out, the game just ends, and that's there for a reason. Um, and I've been on the, I've, you know, I played a Drakari player at the Didcot that same Didcot tournament. Where we got to the end of turn four, we timed out, and I was ahead by like five points. I don't know if I would have been five points ahead at the end of that fifth turn. That, that that's when it. But that's yeah. when it's a, it's a dice game. I could have been. I could not. Swings around about. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have come down to me rolling well, him rolling poorly, just like any chance-based game. In the pack, do they say what to do when time runs out? Um, it does. Because it's re- it, it is awkward with the random missions. I think we need to chess clock it, personally. And it, it's one of the things that I have players to are not allowed to talk through turns. Good, right? Cool. So even if you are use, even if you are using fixed secondaries. Okay, cool. It, it's one of the things that is I have to be 
cognizant of because when you're rolling like 40 dice it just takes extra time to go through the actions yeah. so I need to be something I need to work on is being quicker in the the rest of the game because I, I can't change how long it takes to roll those dice yeah and pick the bits up. not not getting stuck in your commander movement phase going what am I doing here and standing around the table for like 10 minutes like, it's harder now because you've got to look at overwatch stuff in your opponent's turn but planning what you're going to do in your opponent's turn and again the other reason that's difficult is because it's tactical secondary so what am I going to get but generally have clarity from your opponent's turn going into your turn what you're going to do not right yeah let's start at the beginning and work out what we're going in to your do. opponent's turn be thinking if I draw investigate signals what are my units to yeah. go for it yeah if I draw teleport yeah. homers can I get something on the, the yeah. center with like playing card games like your especially like with the Pokemon card game, because there's little interaction really between turns. Um, it's like you create a plan. It's like okay, I know I've got this here. It's like so, regardless of what I draw, I'm I'm going to do this. And then if yep. you happen to draw whatever you need, it's like, oh cool, I can pivot to that. So it is the same. It's like okay, I'm set up. I'm on, I'm on the three objectives. I'm going to score fifteen for that. Sweet. If I happen to score investigate signals, I'm close to the corners. Perfect. If I have to do bring it down, I'm a bit fucked because there's no vehicles on the board. But we'll just stay and hold. Yeah. <laughs> and we all know how upsetting it is when you reach for that ta- that pack and you flip over and you go, I- I'll bring it down and there's no fucking vehicles. And it's in, you know behind enemy lines, which you can score turn one. I think that's one of the ones they should probably shift to a turn two. It's yeah. not there aren't many armies that can achieve that turn one. And then you sat there going, Right, I don't want to spend a CP to ditch any of these. So yeah. that's a whole turn where I'm not scoring points. And that's the only downside I think that if you start drawing tacticals on your second turn and your first turn was just a staging point or, you know, you could pick you drew before you start moving. Or before deployment, you draw your first two, mm. and then you can at least stage your deployment around those. That might make it a bit more, but it, it, it's so it's heartbreaking when you just <laughs> ah right. Do, does your lists or anything? Do you have a way of generating an extra CP? I've got some free. So my Chaos Lords give me. If I'm running Chaos Lords, I think I'm running two now. Um, they've got the free battle tactics strat, which we discussed in. The last episode, um, tune in. We discussed that that's kind of become a little more complicated now. Uh, the only way Chaos have to generate additional CP now is Abaddon. It's a 310 point sink. Um, and you have to successfully make a Dark Pact. So even though his leadership's five, there, you know, I've played a game before where Abaddon has not passed a single Dark Pact. But you should do four out of five. You should do, yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah. So it, it is fairly consistent in the fact that yeah. you can do that even if he's not shooting and he's not fighting because he's eligible to shoot. So yeah, he's shooting, yeah, sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, he's flying the talent of Horus angrily about his daddy issues. Um, but it's 310 points to gain those CP. But I'm just thinking maybe it is just worth infinitely worth just biting the bullet and spending that initial CP especially if you can generate another one like I've, I always run the tally man I have to run a roll a 7 on 2 dice but at least I do that before I choose yeah. sacking it off got some flexibility yeah. if you need it yeah. Yeah. the character I was really curious about running for my team tournament even 2k list was Huron because Huron um, 
I mean, despite the fact that I thought the model was awesome when it came out, because I remember Huron Blackheart coming out, it's not a good-looking model anymore. No. Um, <laughs> but he's he's got that redeploy ability, which is so big. I mean, we know from playing a lot of Crusade recently that when you know you're going first, you can deploy so aggressively. Um, and Huron's ability to redeploy three units is massive. And that's after turn's been decided. No. So uh, most okay. of the redeploys in Warhammer 10th, 40k 10th, are before you know who goes first. And that is either really weird wording... Completely useless? It's not completely useless, because you can maybe respond to how people have set things oh, up. Oh, that's fair, yeah. I was thinking what you would know, but yeah, deployment of opposition. You could goad them into... Yeah, you, you, stack, like, you stack your three units chosen on one objective, your opponent pivots, and you pick yeah. all three ten-man units up and you put them elsewhere. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those ones where you, you kind of, and I think this is the vagueness of the data sheets we talked about and some of them needing a tweak or an FAQ. Is that GW have gone, people will figure this out? Or is it them actually, that, like, rules as written? You know, it is, and I think the, the wording is one of those bizarre ones. Let's see if I can find it. It might be where it sucked going against that. Uh, who was Ultramarines? Yeah. The oh, rapid yeah. redeploy. Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. It was awful. So maybe it's to counteract that. Counteract that. Yeah, so it's bad. after you, both players have deployed their armies, you can select up to three Heretic Astartes infantry units from your army to redeploy them. When doing so, those units can be placed in strategic reserve, regardless of how many units are already in strategic reserves. To be fair, that's a good balance between it's too powerful and it's useless, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, the way the use I would have for it, I think, is I would put my three units of obliterators down, and then when my opponent goes... Oh, right, I'm keeping all my tanks away from them. Put more on strategic reserve. Yeah, no, and then I'm anyway, playing yeah. a different. You've left your nine inch pockets around, or you're now having to play around for that nine inch pocket. So I think it does still have uses. But I was really. When I first read it, I was. I kind of thought, <laughs> oh, what, why is nobody running Huron? Like, this guy seems so good. He's got that once per game. Like, he can move away from you. Um, he's not as good as a Chaos Lord at slapping things. And then that clarity of, ah, okay, that's still good, but it's not. It's not great. And I think they, those little, like, Lucius the Eternal, would be great to see. I mean, it's, we know why, because the you know, well, Empress children are coming. Having a little bit more... <laughs> we know. We know. Yeah. Um, they will be. Uh, you heard it here first. Um, that That's probably why those characters haven't got their cool rules. There'll be something else. I think Huron will probably get a new model when the Chaos drops. Yeah. Because um, he's no longer available to purchase. And they like to do a rules tweak when you get a new model, don't they? Yeah, Dante got a little tweak when a little the, glow up. Yeah, the lion was the only one they didn't. They did like, why the Ooh. hell would you ever run him in ninth and then tenth? It was Daddy's home. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the goal for the teams then? What are we aiming for? So, there's eight. Eight. Or, I'll just check it out. Eight teams. Yeah. So, fourth. I think third. Like third. I lads. <laughs> Chill your beats. <laughs> Personally, I would I would be absolutely over the moon if we won two and lost one. Okay, is that that could does be it stack like that? How how does the overall win? Yeah, yeah. So your your differential will then all feed into your team's points for that game, I assume. Oh, so it adds up to hundred, doesn't it? Yeah, you win the pairings. Yeah. You don't win the. So you know, it's not about who wins the individual games. It's who wins the overall round. And, and the the other nuance which we we didn't touch on was if some if one player 
get to 20 nil and yeah look at me I'm the best and then the others <laughs> like you know lose lose marginally you can get scenarios where um actually four small wins are much better than this one guy absolutely popping off yeah. so consistency across the team and building a score as a team is more important than having you know a bit of hero pairing going on yeah Right. So not last. Not last. Yeah, oh, it's a good aim. Is not last. Yeah, yeah. seventh. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be <laughs> well, surprised and gutted if we lost all three rounds. A, a two, mm. a two-one would put you mid-table. Yeah. Because there will be, if there are three rounds and there are eight teams, there will be one team on three zero, three teams on two-one, and then. Some like one twos and zero some threes. Some one twos and some zero threes, yeah. Actually, a yeah, two one would put us right up there. Yeah, you could yeah. be third. So yeah. it would just be. And I think that that would be good if we could come win two, lose one. Uh, and to be honest, that should be. I'd like to think we can do that as a group as well. I, I think a lot of it. This sounds really wanky, but you almost want to lose your first round. Because, submarine it yeah because then you get put in to a lower bracket and mop up there's our excuse <laughs> yeah you know you play your first round against a team that you're on an even keel with you win and you're then paired against a team practicing for London GT it's like that um, badminton team uh, in the London Olympics I think it was Japanese two Japanese teams playing each other they didn't want to play like the Chinese world champions they were both through to the final or the next round, so they were playing to lose, so they didn't want to play the world, the rank number ones. They both both disqualified ultimately for trying to game fix, (laughs) but um, they were playing the worst game of Olympic badminton anyone had ever seen um, from some of the best players in the world, because none of them wanted to play in the next round. So because you, you, you'd rather you'd rather meet the best team in the final than on the way to yeah, the final. So and although we'd rather potentially lose the first round to get some easier matchups, um, we'll all get into the game and go oh, right. You're fucking having it. Let's do this. It's not. It's not an actual lose, tactical. Yeah, lose by accident rather. Yeah. Than yeah. But it's, it's something again. People talk about in card tournaments. You, yeah, you lose your first round and then win out because you go into the yeah. lower bracket. And it's I think. As, as well, like you don't going into the second round after a loss is a bit demoralizing. Yeah. Whereas if you've won the game, suddenly your mind goes, We're gonna take the fucking tournament here, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna win the whole thing. And it's not until that second round loss that you kind of go, Yeah, okay, back down to earth. My, yeah. my, my personal goal will be to average or, or to score more than 30 points uh, across the day, yeah. So, yeah. To do better than fifty percent on yeah. average. Yeah. Like if I lose one game five, I need fifteen in another game. Yeah. That's where yeah. I'm aiming. Because we're not thinking until I was just about to say my personal game would be to win two out of my three games, but it doesn't necessarily work like that, yeah. does it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you win two out of your three, you are you doing well. You're still doing well. Yeah. But you you might not be going into that matchup with the thought of, oh, I've this is a winnable game for me. You might be going into the matchup thinking, you know. This is the outcome I'm expecting. Yeah. If I get a bit better, brilliant. But I think maybe the best outcome for us all is really to achieve what we set out in the like our you know pairings. Mm. So if you're meant to win your game, winning your game is great. But if you yeah. were meant to lose closely, there's no shame in that losing yeah. closely. It really yeah. isn't. No. So that idea of you said, you know, I want to score points is a much better mindset for teams than because that game you played against Michael the other day. Mm. It was 92-90. Yeah, so yeah. it squeaked it by two. Yeah. That'd be a 10-10. Classic Steve. Doesn't, exactly. That's a draw. In like, teams, that's a draw, yeah. Whereas in a singles, 
you're over the moon with that. Yeah, you got ninety Sweet. points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the loser is over the moon with that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're sailing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that in the singles tournament that I play seventh, <clears throat> the person that I beat in round two placed above me because the, our round two game was close. Yeah. So they ended up with a higher points total because they won their third round. Yeah, and it was the same with I managed to place third because I scored highly in the first and second game. Sorry, first and third game. So even though our second game was relatively low scoring, hmm. I was able to get into the the, yeah, yeah. the podium, as it were, just because of uh, squeaking and, out. And for my first place game, the, it was like 90 to 26 or something. So he plummeted right down. Yeah. And it's yeah. <laughs> and he was playing for first. <laughs> I did have a, a great moment in that third game when we were sort of half an hour from the end and I'd just overtaken him in points. But he hadn't quite clocked that, and he sort of went, "Yeah, obviously we want to play faster because um, you're behind." And I just went, "I'm 15 points clear," and then started rolling dice. And I did have a degree of satisfaction with my <laughs> frustration from that third game yeah. um, of just being, "No, no, we're not playing. This is, you're not in this race anymore." Um, <laughs> know your place. I'd had a frust- when you when every time you finish moving you have to watch somebody roll forty dice for an Overwatch and celebrate <laughs> one hit and then you take one wound. It, it's just it was a slow yeah. game. Trescocks, I think, is going to be the new the new Vogue at the shop for the tournament. My problem, uh, I want Trescocks, but you'll have to I'm, use it where I'm working. I've got a serve. I can't. Can you? Yeah, you pause it. You can pause yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And not in casual games, just but in it. No, but you need practice, right? You do, you do. What you, you can pause. That's when we have our after hours uh, yeah. That's yeah. when. But you can it. also just have your phone out. So don't time your opponent because that's not what it's about. Sure. It's about timing yourself. So if you've got yeah. next to your scoring, in, no, in a casual can... setting, yes. In a in a yeah, tournament yeah. setting, absolutely um, about making sure. There is fairness of time and the ability to play the game in in the round. Yeah, because it's it's two two and a half hour rounds. Uh, yeah, give or take. Sometimes it's sometimes three. it's three. three yeah. yeah. So you want to make sure that you both get in ninety minutes. And that I think yes, it needs to be. I would like to see more tos writing into tournament packs about how chess clocks need to be used if they are used. Because of that second tournament, that did cut one that I placed third in. My second game um, that I did lose, he, I had, I had about thirty-five minutes left because Deathwing, as we've said, were a very uninteractive army in ninth. And <laughs> well, you didn't really have a shooting very phase. Simple, very and, quick. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I had about 35, 40 minutes left, and at the end of his fourth turn, he had a minute thirty left, and we got to turn five. Sorry, Isaac. Context: Who put the chess clock out? He, sorry, he put the chess clock out. Um, uh, he put the chess clock down. I'd, it was the first tournament I'd ever played with one. I'd, I'd had to have them explained to me. In my first game, my opponent timed out turn five, but I was so far ahead in points, it didn't really matter that yeah. we just talked it through. It was kind of over. Um, but he put the chess clock down. He then sort of started playing. We got to the end of the fifth turn. Sorry, his fourth turn was about a minute 20 left on the clock. I started about 40 minutes. Uh, and he just started talking through what he was going to do to score points. And I sort of went, well, no, but you wouldn't have time to score all of these secondaries in that one minute and 20 seconds because your command phase will take a minute and 20 seconds and all your secondaries are scored at the end of the turn and that would require you killing this, killing that, you know, doing all of this stuff. Um, I hate to use the term, but it got quite gaslighty where he was sort of trying to be like, 
But no, no, do you remember I said the chess clock was just for my own timekeeping? And I did explain, well, you know, it's quite a sweaty thing to do to put one down. And if you're going to play with it like that, then you should be playing, you know, yeah, as intended. You're either about that life or you're not. Um, He's put the chess clock down. Play by the chess I, clock. Yeah. Like, regrettably, I sort of folded and was just like, yeah, you, mate, you do what you want. Like, we've got 40 minutes left of the game. You do you. Um, and he, you know, he went on to score. But it was about an extra 15, 20 points in that final turn from things. And it meant that a game that actually, if I'd just timed him out there and said, no, no, I'm going to play my turn now, you don't score anything. I actually might have been able to squeeze a win. You know, it would have been, I had 40 minutes to figure out where those points were coming from. But, so I think in TOs, I'd love to see just more clarity on if you are using a chess clock, both players need to agree. And this is the... It would have to be something, if that was going to be the case, that the TO says you will be on a chess clock. Yeah. It, it can't be an optional thing. And then if you're using a chess clock and you time out, it has to be a blanket. And I think, I think I'd just like to see that. Because he, yeah. he then was like, oh, I just use it because at London GT, you have to bring one. And I was thinking, this is just leaning into what I've just been, you know, you've brought this as a tournament player who's yeah. running a really sweaty kind of game. That It's like when people get the line of sight laser out and they're trying to, they're trying to angle a laser to go bend that light around that yeah, building. It's, like, yeah. it, it's a laser. It, it is where it is. Yeah, I've got line of sight on your forge fiend. Yeah, through two ruins. Like, <laughs> but in that scenario, you've got um, you, you've got someone asking for a favour, effectively. And I, I think the just the equality of there's a chess clock out. We've both got an hour and a half. That's just the facts of the situation. If you've run out, um, I'm, I'm sorry, but you, you've run out of time. There's there's equal parts to this game for you and me. I've not used my time, you have. Mm. There's a bit of a, I mean, especially as he's the one that popped the clock down, I think it was a bit much to be asking for time off you. Because it's a skill. Yes. If you say How he, you use your time is a skill. If he's saying he wants the, it's for his timekeeping, well, you've messed that up then, haven't you? You've not well, kept it. Yeah. There's that clash between yeah. running Deathwing, which was super and interactive, and an Eldar Hail of Doom list, which requires a thousand dice, a lot of dice rolling, a lot of movement, a lot of CP, you know, a lot of kind of stuff going on. Yeah. That I think that was. So in hindsight, I should have just said, "I oh, know I'd like to bring the TO over. We're going to talk you through just this. You've put the clock down, um, and yeah." So I think that was a learning. And I, I would, I would advise you, Isaac, in the next one to have the confidence to say to to challenge it, not in a, an argumentative sense, because that's generally not what happens at these tournaments. It's all very friendly by and large. But occasionally we just need a bit of a, a fact-based, emotionless yeah. perspective on it. And not wanting to be a prat was kind of my... Yeah, thing. and I, it's a it's an awkward situation because it's a... I mean, you're used to this in your job, but there's mini-confrontation going on there. And I think just saying, look, there's there's a situation here, there's two different perspectives, let's get Tio over and just resolve it fairly and independently. And not look at that. I know, Wally, you've mentioned card games, Magic the Gathering, is a much better culture around using a tournament organiser to yeah. resolve anything, yeah. really. The London GT was a brilliant... I don't know if you saw the final, yeah. where they're you know, deep-striking obliterators, and they actually called the TO over and said, can you place those down nine inches away from this tank? Because it was a bit tricky. Yeah, there was like 0.1 of an inch to like fit them in. Yeah, and because the, the TO had put them down, there was no... Dis- no one could disagree. Sure. And it was the same with um, Wraithguard. I've got that shoot after fighting. Yes. And because... They put models back after the event on that one. And it was that they'd they'd <laughs> shot... Well, it's because you can shoot after you fight, but because you're not an engaged... They'd pulled models out of engagement range when they died so that they could shoot after fighting. 
but sequencing wise both consolidation and the shooting happen after fighting and when you've got a sequencing clash the player whose turn it is chooses the order in which things happen and the TO came over and explained all of that so the chaos player then got to consolidate into the wraith guard so to stop them shooting shoot. it's a very complicated rules um, interaction which you know, there's, there's loads of them and it was really good use of TO yeah, and I think the TO actually just kind of did it a bit off his own back because he I think he'd made a judgment in the moment and was like, mm, I'm probably right, but I'm going to check anyway. But you know, generally, let's just use the TA. Yeah, that's, what, that's what they're there for. They're there to be the tiebreaker. Yeah. When you've got an awkward decision that you can't decide between the two, you just call the TA. And there's stuff like when, like you, your example on the obliterators, deep strike, it's like, can they fit in? I mean, like, I'm, I'm nudging models 0.1 of an inch by accident because I'm trying to fit a tape measure. It's really difficult. TA, this is really hard. I can't do it. So can you just... Work it out for me, please. Yeah, I wish there me. was. I wish there was more support for TOs in Warhammer. Like a Zoom just, meeting where you could all kind of do some training. Yeah, like it's it's a huge thing, and with like London T- GT and all these events that Games Workshop themselves like s- sponsor and whatever. But it's like okay, well, what's the training for that? Because. That's a very specialised thing. That's a very good point, mate. That's a good yeah. idea. Team Poland were the the, the were the um, paid reps TOs, yeah. for the London GT. Like world yeah. champions, TOing was like just of such course. a gift. But then they almost need to make a pack, and even if you have to pay for it, they need to make a very. There needs to be a very concise well-written document that you can refer to. An FAQ almost. <laughs> but for like behind this like sequencing how does that work like you say with the player whose turn it is chooses how it works i i didn't know that it's almost like a rare rules cheat sheet they can give tos yeah. that you need a flow chart for some of these things the training's a great idea i mean think of all of the shop owners shop managers around the country running you know toing or events you know if you set out as much in the way they did with the leviathan mission pack and they started to say this is how you rank players at the end of tournament. Yeah. This is the terrain set. These are some mission combos. Stick another page on that and say, this is how we'd like players to use TOs. You know, the, you know, here's some examples. Don't be afraid of it. You're not. It's not an argument. This is just uh, independent validation of a solution. It's a complicated game. Yeah, you need a third opinion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's big all it is. It, yeah. it also, it, it doesn't matter if what the TO says after the game it turns out that the TO's ruling was wrong because yeah. that's not what they're there for they're there to break the deadlock Yeah. so they don't it, it's like um, in Pokemon when you still have situations that come up that you don't have a definitive answer for hmm. but you have the training and the understanding of the rules to be able to make a best guess Yeah. and say to the players this is what it is this is how it's going to work and the players accept that and then after the game, if you come back and say, look, I was a little bit wrong on that, that's how it goes sometimes. I feel comfortable going to the Didcock, because we've said in the last episode again, Michael, he's such a good TO. He's really clear. He knows the rules so well. Yeah. Um, and not to mention all the terrain he does is beautiful. So it's nice going where you've got like Necron-themed and Tyranid boards yeah, and everything looks yeah. really cool. But he, he's just he's good at making the calls and he knows the rules really well. And he's also got a good sense of when a game needs to be monitored. Yeah. Um, and I've had help actually from him in the past when he's come and spent time at a table and sorted a player out or he's he's had a conversation and he's really good at that. Yeah, good to you. But it's really difficult for like somebody like you, John, that 
I want to play. <laughs> want to play? Yeah, you want to play as well. And then, you know, you need to be kind of. It would be great if you could hire a GWTO for the day, wouldn't it? Um, and what I think what you could want something for the next tournament is you could um, maybe select a couple, of, maybe a couple of us, and if we've got clocks, for example, I'm just going to hit pause on that and go back in a sec because there's a mm. bit of a mini TA thing on. Yeah, spread the load round. Although could, last time that happened, Steve, you said in future decisions will be not made by committee but by me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we had a t- ten minute discussion about the rules on precision, and I was like, it just um, spills over. <laughs> that, it just spills over. I think we ended up arguing, all of us, that it was spilling over, but in different ways. Yes. And each thinking the other person yes. was wrong. Yeah, that's correct. It was a question I asked. Yes. And, but it's really the TO's No fault. one knew the question of who was attacking who, like what the thing was happening. Yeah. But whatever. Mortarian <laughs> killed someone. It's fine. It's standard. Yeah. <laughs> it's that weirdness of like, you know, alle- when things are allocated. Yeah. And the rule book clearly states when things are allocated. But if you don't, if you actually haven't read the rules, I think you'd be shocked by how many players genuinely haven't read the Warhammer rules. Uh, <laughs> 25% of the players at this table. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is quite a high number. And then when you go into games and tournaments as well, like this happens where you kind of have an interaction where. And I've been guilty, I'm going with thinking all Ravenwing had the inner circle keyword. Didn't really matter because I was running like a squad of three attack bikes, so they weren't failing morale tests anyway. But just somebody saying, oh no, they don't have the inner circle keyword. Mm-hmm. And, oh right, shit, I'll actually have to go back and now check every unit. And, you know, when you've got those situations that emerge, it, you know, having the app has been great because you can search for keywords. Yeah, but... We take when you when you allocate an attack, you would think, well, that's when I've selected, you know, maybe to roll the dice. That's me alloc- or when I've chosen who I'm, I'm splitting attacks into. Whereas it actually isn't the case. It's when you know wounds are allocated. It's after all the, all the saves and rolls have been, you know, after all the rolls have been made before saves. That's when you allocate. And but some of the language of GW is, is ambiguous, and that when players haven't really read the rules or revisited the rules leads to that real grey area of ambiguity. Like um, scout moves, when you kind of have been told as a rule set, every unit gains the kind of keywords that things get. But scout move, you gain the scout keyword, but you don't gain scout nine inches. You've got scout, but you can't move nine inches because scout gives you the lowest number of the squad is how far you move. So if a leader joins a scout nine unit, he gains the scout keyword, but not nine inches, and therefore that unit cannot scout move nine inches. Now that is a really complicated interaction that on the surface when GW rolled out their rules you hear keywords, excellent, so they gain the feel no pain and stuff. But then when you've got one weird example that someone tries to, same with stealth, all models in the unit need to have the stealth keyword as you don't gain. This has been cropping up because of Crusade and it's like, oh I can give this uh, this unit This character gains stealth but the unit then don't. Yeah, or the other way around. Oh, I guess I won't then. So that's how I found out <laughs> with Scout. I'd given um, some Chaos Terminators Scout, and it was suddenly, well, you can do, but now Abaddon can't move with them. Because I was thinking, Christ, Abaddon, nine-inch pre-game move. That's insane. And somebody else had thought that, and they yeah. said, no, you can't do that. And I think if more players had genuinely, it's not a slight at the two of you for saying you might not have read the rules, but I think if more people had just sat down and read the rules once, and then just every now and again refreshed... I think it's just me. <laughs> you read the rules. You read the rules, Chana? Of course I have. I okay. do intro like every hey. week. You've just asked the champ whether he reads the rules. The TO who runs the after school club. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in that room. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he has not read the rules. <laughs> I run a Warhammer club at the school I work in, and I tell you what, those they're kids, still playing ninth. So well, they're still playing ninth wrong, no matter how much I've tried to help. Yeah, well, I yeah. don't need to read the rules. I've got the team for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's like a team. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that settles that. We will we'll do another one, another podcast post, post tournaments, post the singles and the teams, and we'll see how we've done. Hopefully, we've top fived and third or fourth. That's good one, Johnny. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So if we come fifth, that was all on Jono. Yeah. <laughs> right. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.